Well, it goes back to 1978. Um, I, was, uh, I got a phone call saying that Monty Python were doing a, a film called Life of Brian. They wanted the title music to sound like a Bond track. So uh, I came in and tracked up this. Uh, I, I played trumpet, French horn, and a lot of other instruments and so created this huge big band sound. And we got a, a Shirley Bassey, or Burley Chassis, as we called her then, uh, <laughs> uh, singer to come and do the uh, the word. Uh, and, that, and it ended up as the title music. So that's how I met them. And um, Eric then produced the Contractual Obligation album, which was um, they, they each had to put in songs into a Charisma album. And I was the music director, and so that's how I really got to know Eric uh, around about 1980. Were they gloriously? Was it was it fantastically fun to work with, or is that sort Absolutely. of? Absolutely, I have a, I have a, 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 you know, I had a very safe job in London University as a music lecturer, uh, and um, you know, all six of them came in to hear this this title track to um, Life of Brian, and so. The atmosphere was absolutely electric, six of them in one small room, you know, and the music blasting out on big speakers. So that was my baptism of fire, and I, I soon resigned from London University and became a professional composer at that, you know, and I have been ever since. So um, that was it. It was kind of a, a, a launching into orbit <laughs> in one kind of rocket move. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you wonder, you wonder so with that sort of thing, or I wonder, that whether or not, you know, it's it's just as fun and, and amazing as it looks on screen or whether once you once the cameras stop rolling you get these very sort of precise minds and people really you know think very carefully think, about I all the detail i think all of the monty python team were sort of genius level intelligence um and certainly eric is and very fast moving and going where no other man dares to train, <laughs> so to speak or well, would possibly um, want to on occasion <laughs> And so I, you know, it's been wonderful for me, uh, you know, being associated with them. And um, and I suppose my mind works in the same sort of way. And so when it came to um, not the Messiah, I mean, it's such an epic. Normally, you're, certainly for film and uh, for theatre, you're working on a much smaller scale, you know, and you have a lot more time to get it right. Whereas when you're doing a huge concert like this in the Albert Hall, you know, with only one chance to get it right then it all goes down to the preparation. So months and months of meticulous preparation and work uh, and so that it will all go right on the night. And it did. I, th- I, think it, I think it was an amazing evening. I'll never forget it. And to conduct the BBC Symphony Orchestra and chorus, so you've got 250 people on stage. And let's not forget the bagpipers. You know, we had the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards, you know, coming on at the end of each act uh, with the bagpipes. That, that was entirely gratuitous on our part. I mean, we simply wanted to have bagpipes come in, and so we wrote them in. And by the way, these guys are all in Afghanistan, and and they said, um, well, we... We couldn't get some of the regular players, so we had some drivers in. And so I thought, well, you know, what are they they're getting their chauffeurs in? You know, when they say driver, they mean tank driver. Um, and uh, so the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards is a tank regiment, you know, on active duty in, in Afghanistan. And so... And they gave it all up to come to one, the Royal Albert Hall. Exa- well, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and they're based in Germany. And I think that they drove in a minibus, you know, such is the way we uh, fund and, uh, and uh, look after our... <laughs> 
for the troops who save our lives, <laughs> that they drove in a minibus all the way from Germany to take part in the concert, you know. Absolutely amazing. And sheep, of course. Don't forget the sheep. We have well, sheep in it. Well, you, you've got... <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Actually, when we came to Australia in, um, in, uh, in 2007, we, we've been working on Not the Messiah for like three years. Um, and we did some concerts in December 2007. And the first one was in Brisbane. And we, got, we went to the QPAC Centre. And they said, um, we have something here that, that we think belongs to you. Um, it was a sheep that John Cleese left on his lecture tour. <laughs> a, a real sheep. And it was a real sheep. Well, a real sheep, you know, uh, a, a model, uh, a full-size, life-size thing. But you could put your hand in it and work its jaw. <coughs> he had it upside down in a cage, you know, instead of the parrot. So he did the parrot sketch with the dead sheep. And so we liberated the sheep. We got it out of the cage, put it on its feet, you know, and it toured around Australia with us three years ago. So, I can't believe they gave it back to you. I have to confess, <laughs> I would have nicked it. Well, they were going to charge us um, storage, I think. So uh, luckily we got, we got out of that. So um, Eric designed this, this sort of three sheep, you know, so like a little Bo Peep shepherdess dress with three sheep, you know, around it that um, uh, a lovely lady from the Muppets designed for us. And so it, it's mouth open and sing along with, with, the, with the track. Fantastic. So it's Eric Idle's brainchild. Did you conceive it together or did you did he come to you and say, look, you know, this is what I want to do. Can you help me with the music? Well, a Toronto Symphony, Peter Ingen, um, the principal conductor of Toronto Symphony, has, had been requesting a piece from us that the orchestra could play to bring in a, a new audience. You know, all orchestras around the world are suffering financially and they need to reach out to new audiences. So they, he thought that if we would write a special work for them, it would help build their audience. Um, and we'd been toying with the idea of Life of Brian as a musical, but we didn't think it would work out. And so uh, it was Eric's flash of it. It said, not the Messiah. Uh, he's a very naughty boy. Let's do it as an oratorio for the orchestra. You and say so that he, so well. <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> he, um, he, he handed me a very thick libretto, about sort of inch and a half thick, and I went off to France. I rented a farmhouse for two months and uh, and buried myself there with, with, with this libretto. So normally we're in the same room. You know, he has guitar, I have piano, and we're working on it in the same room. But this this work was uh, different, you know. And and I suppose unlike a theatre work or a film, you know, music is in the driving seat here. And so it was appropriate that I would go away and map out a large musical work. And I just approached every lyric on its own terms. And so there's a, there's a huge variety of style within it. It moves from baroque to bebop and, uh, you know, taking in all sorts of styles along the way. But it was more to do with creating the right context for the comedy of each lyric, making it, making it work giving it the conditions to flourish. We are humble shepherds and our flocks we keep. There's nothing we like better than just watching sheep. We count them every day and night until we fall asleep. And then we count them once again because we love sheep. Sheep, 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 sheep. And there's appearances from Michael Palin and Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam. Were they? Do they have yep. to be convinced to be involved, or were they just desperate to get back uh, into it? 
I think they were all very pleased to take part. I think the hard thing now is for is for four pythons to get together and write. I mean, that's almost impossible. Why is and that? So, uh, well, because they they live on different continents and they have different uh, you know their lives have all gone in different direction. Michael Palin and Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam all have and John Cleese, uh, all have very independent professional lives now. They should get a computer um, chat, and then they could just sort of, you know, write online. Well, and, uh, <laughs> it would be nice if it was that easy, I suppose, <laughs> um, because Eric and I had been working on Spam a lot, you know, and then going straight into this piece. Uh, you, you know, it was uh, the fact that it was all written made it a lot easier so that they could come in and perform. Um, and we're very happy to do so. I mean, 40th anniversary is quite something. You know, who would have thought 40 years later, you know, it would be a world phenomenon? I don't think they ever imagined that when they were making a series of uh, television programs back in the uh, late 60s. No, I'm talking to John Duprez. He composed the music for Not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy on um, on afternoons. No, they probably just were absolutely des- delighted. Somebody was paying them to have fun to start with, you would imagine. That's right, yes, and they they were in different writing teams. You know, there were like three pairs of writing teams, I think, that, that Barry Took brought together at the BBC. And, and, the, and then, of course, it, you know, the chemistry happened and it exploded. So who owns the material? When Eric Idle decided that he wanted to do this project, was it something, do they all have to give permission or could he just sort of run with bits of it? Oh, oh, oh what, in terms of uh, Not the Messiah? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, of course, we needed permission to do it. Um, and... Uh, you know, they're very generous. The same process had to happen for Spamalot, you know, so we went through that with Spamalot and the same again with, with, with Not the Messiah. But really it's creating a new work based upon and so there's there's vast amounts of new creative work in it. Um, lots of new songs, you know, but based around the, the structure of the story of Life of Brian. It's a great and, story. Uh, uh, and, and uh, yeah, a, a great story, very funny. But, but you have to, you know, once it becomes an oratorio, it has its own life, you know, and you have to, it has to obey its own rules. And so I suppose it's a joint ownership, you know, be, with, there's the original Python material and there's, there's a large amount of new material that we, um, that we created over the last three years. And John Cleese wasn't there for the Albert Hall performance um, he was he was it working was very very sad it would have been lovely if john had been but he he he's been doing a world lecture tour um and i think he was a little he, you know he had some um, uh, some medical issues and so a lot of the dates got cancelled uh, and so he 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 was hoping to be free in october but he had to go back and complete his um his uh, one man lecture tour with he couldn't cancel all his american dates we did try and explore whether he could be sort of jetted over for you know <laughs> uh, just for that moment and back again but it, it wouldn't work out but at least we had four of the surviving five uh, monty python team it's absolutely fantastic project you can see not the messiah who's a very naughty boy at the lunar cinema on july 31st and august the first thank you so much for talking to us john Thank you very much, and I hope you're in for a big treat.